Hey everyone, this is Heather Hayes, founder and CEO of Stroll Runner, and with me, as always usual, Nicole Berto. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, I want to kind of peel back the curtain and talk a little bit um, about some behind the scenes things that happen with our business that I think will be interesting and maybe helpful for people who could be in similar situations with their companies, either as a CEO or as an executive assistant force multiplier. There are many, many things that we work on on a daily basis. So sometimes it's just nice to know that other people are doing the same things and or get a few tips and tricks that could help you to not reinvent the wheel and maybe speed up some efficiency. So here we go. All right. So what has been going on in the world of Stroll Runner recently, and I'll, I'll say that we have a few different businesses happening within this office. There is mortgage lending, there is the Stroll Runner business that I founded, and then there's also you know the coaching and financial planning. So today we're going to talk about Stroll Runner. There's something that we've been working on, not just in this last week, but for a few months now, that has the ability to dramatically alter the trajectory of the company and we've come to the conclusion that looking into financing options is probably our next best step for the company to really scale and carry out the growth plan that we've put a lot of time and effort into working on both with ourselves and with partners that we've hired and or mentors we've worked with to come up with a really solid growth plan and it's daunting to look at the numbers of what you need to raise for a company. There's some people who can go into starting companies and really scaling them and making them huge and successful and never have to borrow a dime or never have to seek investment money. And I think that those are unicorn situations. And then there's companies such as mine that have uh, an expensive product to make that requires having outside capital to come in and really be able to go to the next level. As a founder, I maybe someday will share how much money I've personally put into this company. <laughs> it's it's a, an overwhelming amount. Um, on the same hand, if I use my reverse gratitude that I like to talk about, I'm so super proud and just grateful that I've been able to do that. Um, but there comes a point in time when uh, you need to seek outside investment. So our big thing we've been working on is getting ready for a huge pitch that we're going to do or that I'm going to do, I should say, for Stroll Runner to try to bring in some some venture capital money. And super exciting, super overwhelming, but I'd like to walk through and share with you some of the things that have gone into this and things we're learning, things that are eye-opening and where we're finding that I wouldn't say we're redirecting the course of the company, but it's really helping to anchor in some of those milestones that we've hit and also really focus and get real about our authenticity and the direction we want to go in and making sure that those are things that we're holding true to throughout this. It's one thing to just get money. It's one thing to just get money. I mean, period. It's another thing to make sure that you're aligning your values and your mission with who you're choosing to partner with for those funds and what they're bringing to the table in addition to the money to help carry out getting the company to where it wants to be. So, or where we want it to be. I think of it as a person. So do you have anything you want to share before I dive into some of the things we've been working on? You're a huge part of this. So I know you're going to have things to say in every 
point that I make or everything I bring up. <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of what I do definitely spirals or snowballs off of the ideas or action plans that you have. So for the, the other fellow force multipliers out there, I can just kind of touch on how to help your founder. Yeah, absolutely, because you do. So I come into this office daily with different ideas or change the direction. This is one thing that we've had to just stay super focused on, which is different for me. But Nicole certainly comes in and takes a look at what are the things that need to get done and where can she best help to support and take things off my plate so that I can continue to do the things that that are my parts in this. Okay, so let's dive in because I'm, I'm just speaking super vaguely about all this. Okay, so prepping for a pitch is really what we've been working on with this. So it's the knowing that we're going to need funding. I, I, I like to say that we're considering funding because we haven't signed anything yet and no term sheets have been put in front of us and you know numbers have not completely been worked out. I'll say that the first thing that has been a challenge is coming with a valuation of the company. And when you're going to pitch to seek investment money, you're typically offering out, I shouldn't say typically, I'm learning that there are a whole lot of different ways you can structure this. But the most common is when people offer a certain percentage of their company in exchange for a dollar amount. And that percentage of the company is supposed to equate to a valuation that you're giving. When you have a very young company that doesn't have a ton of traction, and by traction I mean a ton of sales under their belt, it's really hard to say this company is worth X until you're making those sales, until you're a few years in and you can show that there's this growth trajectory. Value is is really, it's a thought. It's kind of like equity in a home. It's not a tangible thing. You're just, you're, you're giving your best guesstimate towards what you think something is worth. And one of the ways that I've been taught to look at valuing the company is calculate out how much money you need to run your business in a perfect world for the next, say, 18 months. And that's the amount of money that you should be aiming to be seeking. And then think about how much of your company are you willing to give up. A typical raise, usually you're you're giving up about 20% equity. So I'm going to give some numbers here. We've been looking at, we've been playing around with a bunch of different numbers, and this is in no way set in stone. So if any of my potential investors are listening to this, (laughs) please take it with a grain of salt. But for illustrative purposes, say you're looking for, you know, over a million dollars, I'll just put it that way, and you are comfortable with the 20%, you're basically saying that your company's worth 5 million. If you're asking for a million and you're saying 20%, how can you quantify and back up the fact that that's the valuation? You can't really. But then you play with other numbers and you still are at that 20%. Are you then saying your company's worth more just because you need more to be able to carry out the plan that you have? There's a lot of back and forth there. And I think that once you're working with investors who see your vision and see the plan, they're more looking at the person behind it that's going to carry it out. Is this a solid plan? Do they see a potential for getting their investment back? And oftentimes the value becomes, a I don't want to say it's a, not important but it becomes less important because they know that they're just investing in helping you to grow the company and the idea is that the value is going to be far more than that in the future anyway but you have to be prepared for the fact that after 18 months say you successfully raise that money after 18 months you need to raise more if you're not you know positive cash flow which for a lot of companies you're not profitable at that point in time where you have extra cash to be like putting back into the company and such do you need to do another raise and are you giving away another 20%? And then how many more raises beyond that? So 
I've spent a lot of time working with, I'm going to give a plug here. There's a company that I've utilized that is, it's basically like a Fiverr for like CFO type of people. And it's called TopTal, T-O-P-T-A-L. Highly recommend them. Um, their customer service has been phenomenal. Their account executives that I've worked with have been great. The talent that they sourced for me that I got to interview and choose to work with is top notch. Very happy with the gentleman I've been working with. And realistic numbers are coming out of this to an extent that I my brain has had to work very hard to fit all of this stuff in. And poor Nicole has listened to me talking about this stuff. And I'm like, do you know what EBITDA, I can't even say, E-B-I-T-D-A is, or you know, throwing out all these acronyms that I'm learning. And it's super, it, it's gratifying to me to learn this kind of stuff because I want to understand as much of my business as possible. And I want to be a force and I want to be, you know, that, that businesswoman who understands her company and, and can speak eloquently when having these conversations with people who know way more than I do. But it's a lot to take in. So my brain's been like expanding and retracting and I get to a point where I'm like, whoa, that's just so much. Um, but the valuation piece has been, I mean, that's really interesting. Well, I'm going to say where you have helped out with that, um, just to give like an EA force multiplier perspective, where you've helped out with that is getting this person onboarded to even be able to work on these numbers required providing a lot of data that they wouldn't have otherwise had access to, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're not an employee of the company. They're a subcontractor in a sense. So we're a consultant really. So Nicole was able to like go through, we keep a, a Google Drive for the company, which is sometimes a mess and sometimes is organized depending <laughs> on the section that either one of us has been in more so me I just like drop stuff in and I'm like was that where we're supposed to go but luckily it's mostly she and I have access to it but we keep a google drive which I would highly suggest if you don't have one make one drop your things in there so we have anything from like photography assets to video to tax documents so things that he needed for financials or even putting together he was helping me with the, the pitch deck even like the photography for that so Nicole was able to go in and like grab a bunch of things and drop them in so just giving those assets whereas you know my eyes were already crossed looking at spreadsheets her being able to go in and just take that off of my plate and get him the info he needed to keep everything rolling forward efficiently was super helpful and he appreciated that as well I think just being an extra set of eyes and ears and hands and body it all in all honestly is a huge help to your founder just because even the simple stuff of emailing or reaching out to our tax people and uh, getting in contact with people that have the information that even we don't have within the company is a huge help for the founder. So I think just getting coffee for your person. <laughs> That's super helpful too. Those those were fun things that we talked about like when we first started working together that would be the little things. You were like, I don't care if I need to run out and get a coffee for you so that we're like ready to go. And I was like, that just seems like so below the line of like what your job description is. But it, those are helpful things. We do function off of coffee though. We so. do. We do. I think I, I underlying theme of this is understanding your founder. 100%. And like where you can step in to help yeah. out. Yeah. Even when she doesn't understand herself sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so working with, continuing to work with Hoptel, that led into really getting clear on a vision for where I want the company to go. Because if I'm bringing other people in, I want their vision to be aligned. 
um, like I said in the beginning, in the preface of this, that like cash, cash is one thing. Like you need money to move forward, but you also need to make sure that the people that are giving the money and stepping in are aligned with your ideas. And even in how you structure your relationship with them in terms of once you make this business decision to have them come onto the team and they have equity, do they then have voting rights in your company? Are they able to sit at the table and say, I don't like that idea that you're going forward with, which I would welcome, right? Like I want input from people. This is me personally. I I value input. I'm not always going to agree with it, but I want other people's opinions. Um, I don't necessarily want them to be the decision makers. So for me, really thinking about how much of my company do I want to be handing over and what rights do I want to be giving to the people that are coming in. Some of you will identify with the fact that I started this company five, so almost six years ago now was when the, the first idea initially came, well not first idea, but when the idea came out of my mouth to, to the world and started working on it. A lot of people will, ref- will refer to their business as their baby and in a sense it is. I'm not so tied to it that I'm not willing to share and you know maybe someday sell, but this is something that I personally have worked on so long without a co-founder, without I don't have a board of uh, advisors yet. That's that's another thing to be working on. I have tons of mentors. I have tons of people that give input that I can reach out to at any point in time. Tons of contractors and consultants. That's the word I'm looking for. Consultants, paid and unpaid. But I haven't had anybody that has 100% been on, besides my daughter, Avery, the, the oldest, um, that has 100% been through all of this with me. So considering bringing someone in and kind of like letting them sit right next to you through the rest of the journey is that's I think probably an ego battle if I'm being honest with myself but it's also wanting to make sure that anybody that I'm going to open up and trust to to sit there with me aside from you Nicole because you do sit right here with me and through all of this and I 100% million percent trust you um you also aren't an owner of the company though so you know if I'm being honest though it's you know who who would I who would I be willing to trust to do that with? So a person's character that I'm looking for in an investor is just as important to me as them even wanting to invest in my company. So it's we're interviewing each other throughout this process. I was going to say as much as it's important for me to understand my founder, it's important for you to kind of when finding an investor, understanding what kind of investor that you want. I feel like that's been a lot of what you've been outlining and visualizing and during your quiet times during the day, you're just taking notes on whom you want to be aligning with. So I'm going to plug a book by Jenny Kassan called Raise Capital on Your Own Terms, How to Fund Your Business Without Selling Your Soul. And this like really spoke to me. I think I was at Barnes & Noble and I grabbed that. It's, it's almost like cliff notes for you know raising capital or, or raising capital for dummies, but it has helped me to really visualize and sit down and like Nicole said, write out who my ideal investor is. And I highly recommend this. It walks you through the steps for how to do so, like visioning what you want for your company, visioning what you want for yourself, and then really almost backing in the investors into what that vision is and then creating what those terms are. So getting ready to go out and raise money, I I have a clear vision now of the type of people that I want I even went through personas and like named them, which is one of the hardest things for me to do. Like everybody's Karen and Brad in my head. So I had to come up with like names that I actually like, no offense to any Karens or Brads, but like can like deeply respect it. And I feel like those are like joke names, right? They're kind of like meme type things. So 
really thinking about who these people are so that when I'm sitting there talking to people I can I will be able to visualize is this that person is is this the person that I'm looking for to to come into this in going through what that visioning is there has also been a level of I feel like it's the best way I can put it is is getting real with myself about challenges that the company faces objections that I'm going to hear like what knowing that I started selling this product in August of 2021 and how many units I've sold to date now in 2023 is probably not the numbers that investors are going to want to see and I'm going to be like completely transparent to whomever is listening that that's an objection that I'm really expecting and for me the best thing I can do is not try to hide anything. I don't know if hide is the right word, but not trying to gloss over that as an objection, but I want to face it head on. And I really want to be true and genuine about the reasoning behind it. It certainly has not been for like sitting on my hands and doing nothing. I mean, one major thing is I had a baby. Like that that was a pretty big deal, you know, a few months after the product launch. And I really pushed the product launch. I wouldn't even call it a launch. I, I pushed it being available for sale online because I wanted it to coincide with Avery's birthday. And that was my my goal date. And so that happened. Was I necessarily ready for that? Probably not for everything else that happened. But I mean, sales happened immediately, which was super exciting. And it's allowed me to look at that objection as a way to highlight some really amazing milestones and things that have happened since then. And I have a whole list of them. And it's things like, you know, I took a maternity leave, quote unquote, And during that time, when I was home with my youngest now, Cassidy, I remade our entire website myself. I took the time to build a presence on Amazon, make a store, and ensure that we went from completely being lost in the noise of that, and Amazon is a whole other beast in and of itself, but instead of being lost in that noise, we're searchable now. Like, you can search Stroll Runner on Amazon and it is going to come up. Before, it was like a million other things that had nothing to do with running or, you know, maybe you'd get strollers and such. So really, I encourage you if you're in a similar position where you're looking at quote-unquote traction that you're going to have to face that objection with investors depending on what stage you're at, not everybody is going to have a million sales out of the gate and not everybody has a huge ad spend. Like we've spent zero on advertising. So, I mean, that's a feather in our cap. I feel like the fact that we haven't spent money, I mean, we spent money on marketing companies and such, but advertising itself, all of our sales have been organic Mm -hmm. and we're international. We're all over the world. And that in and of itself is amazing. So finding those ways to pat yourself on the back and really anchor in those things that are amazing about your company and focus on those. So, yeah, the objection is going to be, okay, so you've had your product for sale for almost two years. Why are your sales so low? Well, here's all the other things I was working on during that time, mm-hmm. you know, and I haven't put money into advertising. I put so much money and blood and sweat and tears, like quite literally, into the R&D. Like it was so important to me to make sure that I had a product that was something that I myself would want to use and never thinking I was going to use it, but then Cassidy but making sure it was safe, making sure it functioned well, making sure it was a quality product, making sure that I could keep the cost reasonable for the people who are purchasing it. The whole point of this is to get it into, you know, pun intended, as many hands as possible, even though it's a hands-free product. And all of that took a whole lot of work outside of just pushing the sales. So I think all in all, just giving yourself grace, like understanding that there's going to be hurdles and you're going to have to put your head down and 
quote-unquote hustle as our culture says nowadays but just putting the hard work in because it's not going to be easy but at the same time no business is perfect and every business is going to have its different trajectory and path and just giving yourself a little bit of grace when talking to investors because they have to understand I'm sure every business that they've invested in has been a little bit different so understanding that you don't have to be perfect when talking to these investors that's what I hear when I listen to what you just said. Mm. It's a good reminder. I feel like we're primed to try to just highlight all of the positive things. And you're selling is what is how it comes across. Like you're selling your product or your company to investors to try to get them to invest. And yes, that's true. But I think if you're authentic about, you know, you don't necessarily need to bring up the negatives. You're running headstrong into objections because you're showing your tenacity, your hustle. You're showing that you've thought through these things and know everything isn't perfect, but it's top of mind and you have a plan on for how to get past that. And I think that just reflects the type of CEO you're going to be that they would be working with. Yeah, they want someone that's going to address the elephant in the room and be completely transparent with them as a partner but also with the general public you don't want to be a fraud of a company you know absolutely yes very true so that kind of leads into also being authentic about um i've been viewing like what are our areas of for improvement and so not thinking that we're a perfect company by any means and where do we have opportunities to improve upon things and would the investment that we're getting be something that we would use that for so for instance our website we know that our customer ux is oh my god my husband came home last night and he said sorry i'm, I'm gonna pause for a second on that and, and just say what happened he came home and he's like what's wrong with your website i was like what do you mean what's wrong with my website mind you <laughs> oh i built the god. website i'm the only one running it right now like <laughs> you know between nicole and i it's like what do you mean what's wrong with it and he said i was trying to show a customer my husband's a, a snap-on tools franchise owner um so he interacts with people all day long all the time and uh, he said, I was trying to show a customer of mine who has a new baby coming what your product is and tell him about it. So I figured I'd pull up your website and show it to him. Kudos, honey. Thank you very much for doing that. I never call him honey. These weird names have been coming out. I called him hun the other night for no reason. He's like, you've never called me that. We've been together for almost eight years. I'm like, I have no idea. It just We are like totally pulling from each other's habits. Like I call Brandon hun and honey. Oh, so that's, you've probably heard me like on the phone, like yeah. calling him that. I've heard you call him honey. Yeah. It's such a yeah. uh, part of my 50s wives personality. Oh my God. That's a whole another episode that's definitely an episode yeah we call each other love but you know I was just like what are you talking about so anyway he's like I was trying to show him this and you know kudos and he said I really just wanted to show him some video of it and I wanted there's nothing current on there the only video I could find was when you had your initial prototype and you were running with Avery and she's like seven years old and you guys are like out in winter which one of my favorite videos side note but I was like what are you talking about the first thing you see when you pull up the website is this whole like hero like top of the fold yeah people running with it and so I pulled it up on my phone and showed it to him and I said this is what I see and he's like that's weird so he pulled it up on his phone and it worked and he said maybe there were cookies on his computer that like prevented that or it went to something else so he showed me what he saw and it looked like he was on the like about us page and I don't know what he did but anyway so the website's fine however it was I said, can you just write down like anything that you're thinking when you look at the website, like this is an area for improvement. What do you want to see if you're trying to show this to someone, you know, and coming from a dad perspective, which is super helpful, you want video, like you want to see it in motion, just like dads are on YouTube all the time and men in general, I think. And 
so that that's like where they get their info and they want to see how something works They're, that's how their brain's wired so it was just really good feedback but that's an area for improvement and so I know that funding could go into creating a better customer UX beyond my current abilities so I mean it's you know the website's good enough but it's not phenomenal and you know looking at like how we tell our story you know I really have to think about that like when someone asks me how I came up with the idea and you know honing and crafting those things my financials and then future plans like these are all things that there are areas for improvement and for me understanding just having clarity around those things is helpful when I'm going to be getting asked questions about it it's really it's kind of fun to look at the perspective of other people like I sat down and made a whole list of objections or questions that I can get and forcing myself to not just gloss over answers to them because it's good enough for me because I'm the only one answering it right now but really like spending some time and then Nicole and I even you helped out big time like we went back and forth on some of the things and I have some colleagues around um, the office who understand that this is something that I'm working on and will randomly just ask me an objection and be like oh so how many iterations of your product have you had you know through your R&D to get to this and it's like on the spot things but it's it's helpful like I really appreciate it because it makes I'm going to be on the spot and I, I appreciate that they have the, the thought to, to do that for me. Yeah. And I also think that not glossing over those things is super important. And I love that you're being self-aware in that sense because like you're the only person, like you said earlier, besides Avery, that has been through this entire journey from start to current. And therefore, you're the only one that understands it that deeply. I feel like as a human species, we have the common mistake in our head that whatever we're thinking the other person just automatically can like read our brain and yeah and that's definitely not like our true. husbands yes exactly <laughs> it's really such a good reflective experience so I don't know even if you're not looking to pitch like take some time to it's almost like a retreat for your business like sit down if, if you're the founder and really pretend that you are going to do a pitch I could even put together like a list of questions and a list of things this would actually be a fun like shareable thing reground yourself with your company your vision your why your motivation your passion excitement I mean I've definitely waned from time to time in how excited I am about my company and it takes these kinds of exercises to remind yourself where you've been pat yourself on the back you know anchor those milestones and then really look at your vision for the future and goals really motivate me and get me super excited so I think that being able to reset some of those in going through this exercise would be really helpful. I definitely want to add that to my coaching stuff. I think also as a force multiplier, I know with our relationship at least, you do your 411 every single week. So having those tasks or small goals to get to that big goal of in this situation preparing for that big pitch, I as a force multiplier can simply just look at all of those goals and then I can base my four-in-one or my weekly goals or monthly goals based on how can I support you getting these small and big goals done. And sometimes it's as simple as, and I've asked you to do this for me, is like holding me accountable to my calendar. Because the 411 that I do is something that I learned from my coach, Lisa Danforth. She's phenomenal. But the 411 is four weeks, one month, one year. So you're looking at what are your annual goals, breaking them down into what do you want to get done that month, and then breaking and each week out into what can you do to support the monthly goals that are going to support the yearly goals. And so when I break down my week, that's mostly what I focus on is the week. Like what is of most priority this week? 
and then my calendar is side by side with it and where am I fitting in each of the things that I can do to move my goals into my calendar and so Nicole helps me with like reminding me that it's time to do this or it's time to do that or you know I need this asset from you lately sticky notes have been what I get like a sticky note that's you know go do this video or whatever and like she's asked me to blog for like two weeks in a row and I keep forgetting just making sure that you're holding your your founder accountable for the things that they're committing to themselves and to the company is really what it comes down to like even this podcast sometimes I don't feel like this is the best use of my time sorry to anybody listening but the minute I do it, I or the minute I'm done or I'm into it, like it's it's absolutely 100% exactly what needed to happen with my time. And whether or not we have a bunch of people listening or not, everything I'm talking about is helping me in the business. It's kind of like journaling, vlogging. What do they call it? Just talking everything out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's rambling. Nicole told me that today. She's like, we ramble a lot. I'm like, I know. That's what we do. And she's like, maybe we need some structure. So maybe you're noticing some more structure or not, but I have bullet points I'm going over. So hopefully that's helping. <laughs> <laughs> all of this comes back around into that pitch. So all of the work that I've been doing, we've been doing really around preparing for having these conversations with investors every bit of it comes into what I'm my talking points are going to be with people around the company so it's telling them about the journey of the company past present and future is really the story what brought us to where we are what are we currently working on and what are the future goals and what do we need to get there because that's really why we're talking to these people we need them to get to that next that next phase so the pitch part is I have all the info in my head. I I know what I want to say. I've been practicing it in front of Nicole and Avery, really. And the latter part of that is, you know, the Q&A after. So your first part is, you know, the hook, the excitement, the showing personality. You know, they've maybe already looked at a pitch deck that you've sent over to them. They have an idea of what you're what you're coming in and talking about. And then having those conversations, which is really where you get to be the expert. I mean, only you know your company. You really don't have any wrong answers, right? Mm-hmm. I think overall, I just want to... What I'm trying to keep in mind is staying authentic. That's one of my core values is being authentic. I want to have confidence in myself and remind myself of how far I've come. I feel like I'm saying this redundantly, but maybe it's because I just need to hear it so much. But yeah, I think making sure the authenticity comes through. Because at the end of the day, if, if I'm not being myself and I'm not representing the company in an authentic way, I'm not attracting the right people. I think you have to give yourself enough credit to you're very humble when it comes to Stroll Runner. And I think you, which happens with every person on this planet, you become so used to what you're used to. And so you're not used to pitching your company to or your product to someone and them having that wow factor because you've been around it for five, six years at this point. You're so used to Stroll Runner. You're not in that like glory of like oh wow this is freaking amazing we just did our final iteration you know so definitely giving yourself enough credit that your company and your product is worthy of getting this funding and it is absolutely badass thank you that just also reminds me to why it's so important to celebrate milestones so that you you remember each time you hit something else another goal or another place that you're trying to get to with your company really celebrating it so that you do remember that excited feeling and you get it and you get the motivation to keep going through the hard times too something I just thought of that I want to make sure I mention and I hope I remember this for myself when I'm actually out doing a pitch is one way to take the spotlight somewhat off of yourself in your mind while you're doing this is to think about the customers and the people that you're trying to help with this product and 
what a difference you're going to make, whatever your business may be. Your business exists to help other people in some way or another. But the difference that that's going to make for others and if you're out there for them. So in my case, thinking about how much of an impact this is going to make on parents that otherwise might not choose to do something active because it's more difficult or running with the stroller is not fun or they have their kid at home and there's other activities that they they don't feel like they can do with their child at that age and this is the thing that's going to allow them to get out and do that this is the thing that's going to de-stress the mom before she goes over the edge because she just hit her limit that day and needs to get out and do something and I'm giving her the tool to be able to do that I'm giving her the option to use the tool that now exists for her to do that or the mom that or, or dad you know some of our earliest adopters of stroll runner that can't otherwise push a stroller like they have some sort of a, a medical condition for lack of a better way to put it that prevents them from being able to push a stroller either using they're bound to crutches or they are bound to a walker and don't have another way like I can't even imagine like that absolutely gets me out of bed every day I cannot imagine not being mobile with my child and being able to take them out and experience things like you have a child to share the world with them you want to have incorporate them into your life and you want to give them as many experiences as possible but not even being able to put them in a stroller and push them around I just can't so this is enabling people to do that so that's why I want to keep this going because the funding is what allows the business to keep moving forward and, and to grow and scale and get into as many households as possible. And those are the people that I'm doing it for. And for the kids, because the kids need to get out. I just read something uh, yesterday, I think it was, from the American Academy of Pediatrics that there are studies that have been done that children who get out with parents who are active when they're younger are more likely to be active themselves when they get older and you know obesity is an issue and Americans not being active you know it's worldwide but you know America is kind of synonymous with that so if we can make a difference and and help you know the kids too that tugs at my heartstrings when you asked our podcast listeners what could take the spotlight off of you and onto your audience a little bit. I thought you were going to say picture all of them in their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm not very good at visualizing I stuff like that. that. Yeah, I can't. My mind doesn't do pretend like that. Yeah. And I think if I did that, I, I probably would try so hard to do it that I would forget to speak and I would just be like awkwardly staring at someone's area I shouldn't be staring yeah. at. <laughs> That's not the impression I want to be making. Well, that's what's going on in the world of Stroll Runner right now is just prepping, getting ready for financial growth really is how I'm looking at it and taking the business to the next level. So I hope it's fun to hear a bit about what's going on behind the scenes for us and I look forward to sharing more of these types of things going forward. If there's um, questions that you have around either this episode, anything I brought up or things that you would like to hear about, please just let us know, drop us a note, and we're happy to address those in a future podcast. Definitely. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome day. Bye, guys.